Hi friends, and welcome to the Windcast. This one is called Stuckness, and I believe this is the sixth episode of the Windcast. And let me tell you something about this episode. It was a piece of work. It really was. Uh, For those of you who know me, or even don't, I don't usually accredit myself to be highly creative or have many creative skills. And one of the challenges of running a podcast, of course, if you've never done one before, or if you currently are running a podcast, is content generation. Now, as excruciating as it might be to create content, it is also part of what makes it beautiful, but man, this episode, it took me weeks to kind of figure out what exactly I wanted it to be, to shape it. It's one of those things, you know, everyone has their own creative processes, and you know, for me, I spend a lot of time writing down my thoughts, my feelings, I type it up in a Word document and I kind of go over it and I analyze it and I go back through and read through it for, you know, to make edits, corrections, and over and over and over again. I just could not nail it. I There was a couple of times where I was like, ah, yes, I've got it and I know exactly where I'm going to go. I'm going to do this, this, I've got these things lined up, it's going to flow really well. And then it's like, I get to the final edit and I read over it and I'm just like, yeah, I'm just not feeling it. That's just not good. Or I just don't, I don't, I don't feel good about it. It's quite, quite the process. And not only that, but after finally getting this episode to the point of where I wanted to get it to, I started having technical issues with the entire software program that I use to, you know, create and publish all of my episodes. And so shout out to Ryan Burke once again for kind of helping me through all of my technical glitches. But all of that to say, we finally made it and we are able to move forward. It it was, it was... It was a piece of work, though. I tell you what, it was something. So, we are here together, and that's what matters, right? That's what this is all about. Yeah, that's what all of this is about. And so, as you can probably hear in the background, and I'm hoping it's not going to be too much of a distraction for anyone while listening to this episode, but it's raining here in Malawi. We are in rainy season, and it is just... uh, one of the most beautiful things. I'm sitting here this afternoon. I was at Nami Congo earlier this morning. I had a meeting and I was driving back and the clouds were coming and I just get to sit on my front porch or my back porch area, whatever direction you want to use. And I'm looking out into this valley and it's raining and uh, it just brings the smell. Don't you just love the smell of new and fresh rain. I mean, it is just, there's something so peaceful about it. And that's, I was so excited because I had planned for the last couple of days, I was like Monday, 
Monday afternoon, we're going to sit down and we're going to record, and so the timing just worked out. So it's currently raining. You might even hear some thunder, and I hope it's more peaceful, again, more than it is distracting, but man, it is, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's a good life that we're in right now, and yeah, I'm just glad I get to share this part with you. So, now, I think, moving forward, it is time for some updates, you know? So, for those of you who have been following me since episode one, you know that one of the functions of the Windcast is to provide you with insight, particularly as it regards my experience here in Malawi and beyond. Well, let me tell you, it has been an incredible five-month journey. Just over five months, actually, I think. Yeah, December... no, November. We're in November. Yeah, November 10th was five months, and so we're actually past five months, but nonetheless, it has been an incredible journey, and I need to kind of set the scene for you to kind of get all of you who are listening up to date. As many of you know, but also as many of you might not know, the year leading up to me getting to Malawi was a very interesting one. I think I mentioned in one of the earlier episodes of this podcast, I was kind of narrating my story, and, you know, once I got in touch with Nami Congo and the leaders here, and the first from the first view interview forward, it was a pretty quick process. I mean... I think I started having these conversations in June of 2021, and I got here in June of 2022. So from the U.S. to Malawi, it took all about a year for me to make that transition. But again, within that year, there were a lot of things that changed. Specifically, one of the largest changes that happened in my time from getting there to here was team dynamics uh, changed pretty dramatically. Uh, Specifically, there was about a team of six, I think. Yeah, there were two, two families, and they have their kids, so there were, and then two singles, and that made up this team. And in the year that it took me to get over here, on that team dynamic, there were a lot of things that just developed and nothing bad nothing bad happened on the team nothing bad happened here in Malawi but to make a long story short we had a we had a lot of people deciding to kind of transition out of Malawi back home more full-time or not just more full-time but just permanently and that was interesting so in the year process it was interesting. I was keeping in contact with Ben, who, if you guys have been keeping up with the podcast, he was he was the guy, uh, the, my boss, that I interviewed in the last podcast episode. And about every couple of months, I can't be too exact, but about every couple of months in that year of me getting here, it was one of those things. I would a new update would come out, and uh, this, somebody's transition would change or. The timeline would change and you know not to get into any specific details because you know that might bore you a bit but the point is I got here to Malawi and there was one family that had already transitioned back 
actually to the area where I was from. It's kind of funny. We swapped places. So shout out to Ryan and Justine Hayes. Uh, their family moved back to Lubbock, Texas, which is where I was living. And I came to Malawi. I think they moved probably they probably moved to Texas about a month before I ended up coming to Malawi and then I left from Lubbock Lubbock to Malawi and so I joined the team that was currently over here and that was Ben and Becca and their children and you know one of the changes over that year was not only had one family left but Ben and Becca uh, their timelines had changed and what was initially seeming to be about a two-year kind of commitment uh, ended up kind of slimming down to about about a year if not a little bit less uh, by the time I got here and so that was that was a pretty huge change that took place and then I was here on the team for about three weeks and uh, one of my other teammates uh, shout out to Eric Gephardt uh, he, you know, I was here for about three weeks, and <laughs> I asked Eric to go get coffee uh, fairly soon. I mean, if you know me again, that's not out of the ordinary. I'm just trying to get to know and connect with uh, my teammate. And in that conversation, about three weeks in, three weeks in, I discover that Eric no longer is going to be staying here in Malawi. In fact, he, he was scheduled to go on a furlough in a couple of weeks from that moment and getting coffee with him. And he just informed me, he's like, yeah, when I go back to the United States, uh, it doesn't look like I'm coming back. And so that was another pretty drastic change. And then a couple of months later, or maybe not even a couple of months later, maybe even just weeks at that point, uh, one of the other teammates I had, her name is Rachel, shout out to Rachel Batter, and <laughs> she uh, ended up getting a different job. So she's actually still here in Malawi, but she decided to become, to fill in a teaching position at a private school here, uh, which totally makes sense. If you know Rachel, she's got a wonderful gift with kids, and, you know, so she left Nami Congo, uh and decided to work as a teacher, which is great. But uh, why am I telling you this? Well, first and foremost, for those of you that follow me, but also for those of you that support me, uh, both through encouragement and financially, this whole process of starting to come to Malawi for very particular things, and then over that year, a lot of those realities changing and then even getting here, those realities continue to shift. This has been quite a journey of just kind of, honestly, having to be adaptable and having to be willing to kind of, you know, I forget the phrase, but kind of keeping your head on a swivel. You know, we've got to, we've got to do a lot of adjustments. We've got to make a lot of shifts. And to be very clear, the team that was here, it, all of them, such amazing people. Again, no one left for any negative reason. There wasn't like a huge conflict which caused people to leave. It was nothing like that. There was nothing bad that happened over here that severed relationships between Nami Congo or any of these families or any of these individuals. No, nothing like that. Everyone left well and everyone left for very good reasons. And 
you know, that's just life, right? That's just what happens. We are in this thing, and then reality changes, reality shifts, and we have to make decisions, and we have to move forward. And just as everything was changing for all of these other teammates that I had uh, subsequently, all of the things that I initially had lined up to do here in Malawi, they were also shifting. And so by the time I got here, what initially was going to be me primarily working and doing community development work and working at the coffee roastery turned into me that the team what they needed at the time more than anything was to someone for someone to come in and step in as a in, in a teacher role for the discipleship training institute which again for those of you that have been following me in my newsletters you've heard lots about right and so and that was great i was able to teach which is one of my favorite things to do generally I got to teach over some of my favorite subjects, uh, like early church history. I got to teach over Paul's epistles. So I got to really step back into that role, which is something that I've done previously as a student minister when I was working in the Lubbock area. And it was a beautiful thing, you know. And honestly, besides, I think you heard again in the interview with Ben. From the previous episode, you know, probably one of the biggest blessings of working here in Malawi and at, you know, at Nami Congo, just generally, was my professional and working relationship with Ben. But probably the second largest blessing was, you know, getting to teach and to work with these students at the DTI program. Just the conversations that we were able to have, the engagement that we were able to share over you know you know this is a classroom setting so these students are asking very serious questions as it concerns christian ministry and how to utilize this information that they're absorbing into their current context and you know some of them are hearing things for the first time so it's you know it, the information can be overwhelming as much as it can be stimulating, right? Um, it's like a good over overconsumption sometimes, right? That's the process of education. We can just kind of get almost burdened by the amount of great information that we're hearing. You know, there's some deconstructing going on in there. Just overall, um, it's not easy sometimes being a student, especially when you're learning a lot of information that you haven't heard before. And... Um, that process, being able to facilitate that process with these students and to wrestle with their questions and for us to kind of move forward together as the semester kept moving on. Oh man, that's just like one of my favorite things to do in the world. And so, very beautiful process. And of course, not just with work-related stuff, I mean Malawi in general has just been a wonderful experience for me I, I would say and I've been talking to a lot of you as my friends I've been sharing with you how Malawi in many ways has been a it, it's been a it's it's been an experience that's provided really kind of an internal or an interior review for myself I've been doing a lot more work with the Enneagram which I know many of you are familiar with. Uh, some of you might 
kind of hiss when you hear the word Enneagram, and that's okay, no worries. Um, others of you are huge enthusiasts, like myself, whenever you hear the word, and so I've been doing a lot of work uh, and a lot of reading on my own, but also I've been accompanied by other people to kind of walk through some of these new insights that I picked up about myself uh, along the way. I think I shared in one of my episodes, you know, there's been a detachment from old habits with the cultivation of new habits. Uh, again, Malawi, uh, besides just, just all the blessings that come and have come from work, my relationship with Ben and my responsibilities at NAMI Congo, uh, Malawi was a much needed awakening, I think, for me as it concerns like my interior life and my practices and my habits and it's been a wonderful recentering process that we've been able to discover together and process and you know and I say together on purpose because there's many of you who are listening to this where you know I'm not doing this by myself I've had a lot of you who have partnered with me and have spent time on video calls with me, chatting with me on the phone, as I've been uncovering this and I've been doing that alongside with you. So this really has been, as much as it's been an individual pursuit, it's also been a collective process and it's been really healthy, I think for me, long term. And so again, why am I telling you all this? Why am I telling you about all the change that has happened? Before I got to Malawi, while I've been in Malawi, my experiences in, in brief about being in Malawi, well, we're coming to a point where the future, <laughs> in general, is kind of put into question. As great as Malawi has been for all the things that I've mentioned, mentioned and for a thousand other things that I haven't explained to y'all, the question of longevity comes to the surface and we're attempting I say we m myself and my boss David shout out to J David Giles at CMF we're trying to figure out what does it look like for me to serve internationally and to serve healthily <laughs> in a sustainable way and I think what we've discovered over the last few months through a lot of prayer, a lot of contemplation, a lot of frustration, honestly, with, with God and not <laughs> answering prayers that I've been putting out there for quite a while, you know. Uh, I don't know, have any of you been there, right? You, you, you put things in the air and you ask for doors to be open or doors to close or clarity or wisdom and you can go for weeks and months and at least for me that process was like man i'm just not getting anything i feel like i'm not receiving really <laughs> any any divine help <laughs> and um you know there's been frustration there's even been moments of of tears welling up in the eyes and just just being unsure about what comes next and Again, all of this to say, we've kind of discovered along the way that as great as as much as Malawi has been just a magnificent experience for me. <clears throat> excuse me. As great as Malawi has been, one 
I desire to work on a team, and two, I think to maintain healthiness long term in serving in an international context, it's not only desirable that I work on a team, but it's probably necessary, which that might sound silly. I don't think it's necessarily a dependency by any means that I, I have to have other people in order to work and do things here in Malawi. I don't think it's that. But I think for me, I function just generally better if I'm working on a team or with a group of individuals where we are all aimed towards the same vision and we're trying to accomplish the same mission and we're working together and collaboratively on a day-to-day -day basis and I don't think any of those things are bad at all and I don't think many of you would see that as odd either, right? I mean, we all work on teams at some level uh, of, our, of our, we all work with people at some level and now for some of us it might not be the healthiest team context and that's fine but for, for many of us what energizes us about the work that we do is the people that we work with and sometimes we don't enjoy the work that we're doing at all but the people that we work with uh, keep us keep us going right and um, that's okay I think also and so for me it's not just loving the work of being somewhere at an in an international context and working in the realm of ministry but it's also working with a team that's committed to similar values, ideals, a mission and vision, and unfortunately, because there's no team that's going to be here for a long time here in Malawi, here at Nami Congo, we have to move forward, I think. I think if we've come to any decision, that's, that's one of the decisions. And so, in this entire process of trying to figure out what comes next, there's been a couple of options, and, you know, just to be very clear, there's there's two options in particular. Well, actually, I guess there's three, you know, we're not exactly sure. I mean, there's probably more, but generally speaking, there are three that have come into focus. Uh, one of them, again, I was able to take a trip to Ethiopia a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was very blessed by CMF the sending organization that I work with and partner with and they blessed me by allowing me to fly to Ethiopia to visit a team there and man let me tell you if you read my last newsletter you got some of this information already but for those of you who are just following me on this podcast I mean wow I could talk I think for hours about the experience it was a wonderful beautiful experience <laughs> I mean so much so much coffee every day. I think the average amount of coffee I was drinking per day was three or four cups. It was such a beautiful thing. The people, the culture, of course, you know, you're in a, a new place for two weeks, so just you're fascinated with everything, right? And But in particular, what made the trip, of course, was the team that I met there. There are five families that are working in Ethiopia uh, on this CMF team and you know I only actually met four of them one of the families they were they were in the states 
uh, for one of their for one of their trips. So I only got to meet four of the five families, but each of the families was just such such an amazing an amazing. I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, the time that I spent with each of these families was just it was a beautiful it was a beautiful time, and I spent a lot of time with them. You know, it was. You know, they showed me a lot of Ethiopia. I did a lot of traveling. We spent a lot of time doing different things on our trips, of course. You know, seeing different ministries. You know, I think the first prison that I've ever actually walked into in my life was in Ethiopia. And it was just such a fascinating experience. I mean, imagine just, you know, all of the TV shows that we grew up on when you think about a prison, especially maybe an American prison and what that looks like and orange jumpsuits and steel bars everywhere and just maximum security, you know, that that was not my experience at all in this prison. We walked in very easily. We, there's this main courtyard. There are prisoners everywhere walking around they've got they're doing yard projects and stuff with like large shovels and stuff and we're just these just these white people walking into this prison and getting a tour of all the different things going on inside the prison and you know the entire time I'm kind of sitting there looking over my shoulders like you know, is there any safety concerns I should have? But the people I, I was with, they, they didn't seem to be concerned at all or frightened, you know. And it was just such an interesting <laughs> experience. That's just one example. You know, we we did some church leadership training. Um, we we I got to witness some baptisms. We went down to a river. We got to do some of those things. We, man, I could just go on and on about all of it and it was just a great experience and you know it's just kind of funny as my time was nearing Ethiopia you know I was about 90% sure you know I pretty I even think I talked to some friends on my trip while I was in Ethiopia and I was like you know this this I can't say for sure but it definitely feels like this is the direction that things are gonna go I was pretty confident and it seemed like, man, this is a door that's really opening. I was really happy. I was like, man, thank you, Lord, for this experience. Thank you for just all of it. You know, I just, I just, I was just waiting for this and to kind of figure out what my next steps would be. And <laughs> as as fate would have it, on the last day of my my journey in Ethiopia. I'm in the airport in Addis Ababa and I'm about to t get on my plane. I'm, yeah, I'm about to board my flight to Malawi. <laughs> and it's just one of those things that I get this email from a family in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. And I essentially get I, w I wouldn't say an official invitation to join them, but they present to me this opportunity to consider joining joining their team, explaining the work that they have going on there, and it's an amazing opportunity. I mean, it's 
in many reason in many ways it's the reason I came to Malawi to begin with you know to work with income generating opportunities community development projects but specifically and you know no no guesses here for any of you that know me well it involves coffee you know they have this coffee shop there that's been open for about a year they're getting their roaster in at the end of this month if they don't have it now already and all of this just kind of seems lighting up and I'm again I'm in Ethiopia when I get this email I'm 90% confident that Ethiopia is the next direction and of course there were no false promises made you know I told this team in Ethiopia that I would want to go back home to Malawi and take my time and to really consider things and so <laughs> but you know it's just those energies right you have these energies you have these conversations where it's like nothing was officially said but I can tell like by the way I was processing verbally the conversations that were happening especially with the team leaders and what they were saying it really felt like I think all of us kind of felt this genuine feeling of like all right yeah this is going to be a thing right which was probably a little misleading for all of us especially you know especially for them which that's that's another story right but <clears throat> and it wasn't intentional right it's you know nothing nothing's intentional but I get this email opportunity about this project these multiple projects in Tanzania and I just don't even know what to do with it I've actually I in the last couple of days towards the end of my trip in Ethiopia I started to get fairly sick and I was kind of suppressing it with certain meds and stuff just so I could finish out my last two days strong but then I get back to Malawi and it's like I'm bedridden for another two and a half days and so I get this email and I'm like I do not have the mental capacity to process this I I don't even know what to do with this it's an amazing opportunity but I just left this family with with pretty much in every way except directly saying I'm probably gonna join this team right like all of these things are in the air I don't know what to do with it so I just hold off and I responded to the weekend back to the email back to this family and over the last couple of weeks there's been a lot of conversations and things have once again shifted and so it's just an amazing thing because I just don't know. Here I am, sitting, talking into this microphone. I'm processing externally <laughs> to you all now about this journey in brief about what's going on. And I am unsure of what comes next. And despite the thunder that you probably just heard in the background, it's actually the, the, the skies have cleared up. The birds are back out and they're chirping, which I'm not sure if you can hear them. Everything is about, if it was green before, something about the rain here in Malawi just magnifies what was already like it just magnifies the color so everything that was green that i was just looking at it's now been dialed up to like you know times 10 and it's just beautiful and peaceful and ah man what a great what a great moment anyways here i sit talking and processing all of this information to you 
again, very unsure of what comes next. So my question to all of you as I reflect on these things is, do you ever feel stuck? I know this might seem like a silly question. Most of you might respond by saying, well, of course. For some, this experience of stuckness might occur less periodically, but for others, stuckness might make a more routine appearance. And as I have just explained, I presently find myself at this sort of crossroads, right? I have no idea what comes next, where I'm going, which it's not the greatest feeling, right? And usually this kind of uncertainty, you know, it regularly invites anxiousness to tag alongside, right? This isn't a bad kind of stuck per se, you know, nothing crazy or dramatic will happen if I don't start making a decision or start making movement in one direction or the other soon. There are definitely, there's no lives at stake, right? It's nothing, it's nothing dramatic. But I'm stuck nonetheless. This feeling, this stuckness can become frustrating, I think, for anyone, but especially me, after prolonged periods of time. Have any of you been here before? Yeah. Yeah, of course you have. We all have, I think. <laughs> Many of us are currently here, experiencing this feeling possibly together in this very same moment. Now, some of us might be better at not remaining here for very long, but eventually we all come to a fork in the road, <laughs> and sometimes that fork has two, three, or four prongs, if you catch my drift. Yet, even if this pause lasts just for a moment, this, this moment when we come to the fork in the road and we're unsure of what to do, even if this pause lasts just for a moment, we question which road is best. We are curious of the path that we must soon embark. We attempt to <clears throat> excuse me, gaze ahead, weighing the choice as being either right or wrong, and maybe in certain situations there there is a right or wrong option. Or maybe it's rarely that simple, right? Maybe Maybe there's a larger area of gray in our frequently mental-colored world of black and white. Some of us really enjoy creating pros and cons lists to aid our discernment process. I know that I do. But whatever we might do or not do to support our evaluation of an upcoming decision, the experience might also be compared to peering ahead, but this is a very dimly lit peering. We are struggling to see here at this crossroads. We squint our eyes in an attempt to really focus 
as if you can only see a few feet in front of you, as if we were looking through smoke. Action follows our analysis. We decide, we risk, we move. Some of us go with our gut, or we might frame it as coming to a rational conclusion when others might articulate it as following our heart. Whatever it is, however it happens, this is a process that each of us, I believe, endures. Because that's how it works, right? It's been my experience that when approaching a crucial junction, a crossroads, we vaguely see ahead. But maybe more precisely stated, we vaguely assume what lies beyond the other side of a decision made. Once the threshold is crossed, however, a new world of potentiality becomes available to us, all within a single moment. New creation begins. Life takes an innovative trajectory, one that, with hindsight, we recognize that we could not have imagined things playing out any other way. Maybe my issue with being stuck connects primarily with my compulsive, and really I mean compulsive, my compulsive attachment to certainty. To know absolutely where the decision will lead, when I need to make it, how it will look, and what it will require of me. Yeah. And maybe, just maybe, this isn't just my experience, but possibly this is a common and shared reality. Perhaps we all feel this at one point or another. Maybe this is part of the whole thing. Maybe in some respect, this is what it means to be human, to be stuck and not know where to go next, but more deeply, to not know and wrestle with the ambiguity that comes along with it. Paul Tillich says that the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. The opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. Hmm. Just let that sink in for a bit. I'll say it one more time. Paul Tillich says that the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. I have heard it said that when a Jewish person approaches an element of scripture that they don't understand, that when they approach this element of scripture that they don't understand, they dance. <laughs> Can you imagine, right? They, I've heard that they dance because they are so excited that God is going to reveal to them that which they do not understand, that which they cannot see. Now, from a Western perspective, we might tend to be more frustrated when approaching components of Scripture that we don't comprehend, or honestly, when we come to situations or components of anything that we don't comprehend or we don't fully understand or that we don't know what's going to happen, right? We get, we get pretty upset. We think to ourselves, ah, there is so much that I don't know, 
But our Eastern friends might phrase it as, ah, I can't wait for the day when God shows me what this is all about. This seems like a more liberating posture that, I think, we can begin to take up together whenever we come to these moments of uncertainty and seasons of stuckness. If you haven't picked up from the podcast episode so far, I have been in this season of stuckness for a while now. But instead of thinking, I have to have it all figured out, perhaps myself and even all of us can shift toward thinking, one day, God will teach me. One day, God will show me. And that, that will be a good day. I want to wrap up, to conclude this episode with a reflection from Thomas Merton, a Christian mystic. And this is what he has to share with us. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so, but I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you, and I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire, and I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear. For you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. So, my brothers and sisters, may you find grounding and joy real joy when approaching the intersection of what comes next. May you sit and wrestle with stuckness, with uncertainty, with doubt, and walk liberated from your encounter with a transformed posture of trust. May you always desire to follow what is good, what is true, what is beautiful, especially when you have no idea where you are going. And may grace and peace be with you every step of the way.